0: Hello and welcome back to Retro Reco. I'm Shane. And I'm Kyle. And this is the show where we make uh, uh, recommendations of movies that we've seen that the other one hasn't and then discuss it. This week it is Kyle's pick. Kyle, what'd you pick?
1: Uh, I picked uh, the Akira Kurosawa movie, Throne of Blood. Uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I knew, uh, I knew I wanted to stay in feudal Japan and I wanted to do a Kurosawa movie. And my rationality behind this was I didn't want to do one that was remade into something else. Which, uh, if you know Akira Kurosawa's filmography, you realize that's a lot harder than you think it would be. Because he's, he's he's the guy who did Seven Samurai which was remade into The Magnificent Seven. He did Yojimbo, which was remade into A Fistful of Dollars. And a lot of elements from The Hidden Fortress are were very influential on George Lucas for Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back.
0: Well, I mean, there's a reason why people wouldn't say that anything is a remake of this, because this is Macbeth.
1: Yeah, and that and that's what I was gonna say is like, and so instead, I went and did an ad an adaptation that he did of someone else's work, um, and that is Throne of Blood.
0: So interesting. Okay, so first off, um, it took me half an hour to realize this was Macbeth. <laughs> um, so, uh, and and I've read Macbeth, I've seen Macbeth a few times on stage. Uh, I actually really enjoy Macbeth. Um I am not doing a play right now. I'm not in a theater so I can say Macbeth as many times as I want. Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. Um so uh it would feel weird to call it that Scottish play when we're talking about Japanese movie. Anyway,
1: yeah, uh, that's true.
0: So uh it, and the reason it, it took me half an hour because I mean there are yes, like there was definitely inklings of Macbeth and the thing that killed me the most is like in that first half hour when they're doing going through the forest. And they're talking about the war. Like my mind was just like, this is very theater like and almost and, and almost Shakespearean. Like I'm really enjoying what they're doing with this. And then the wife showed up when he was at the thing and she's like, She's like, You should kill the king. And I was like, Oh, it's Macbeth. Oh, that's okay. That's that's the second the wife came in and was and was like planting seeds, I was like, Okay, I know exactly what this is now. Yeah. Like <laughs> Like it, there's definitely, there was definitely hints beforehand to me that the, it was Macbeth, but like, I, I mean, it's feudal Japan. It's an old school movie. Like it could have been, it, you know, it could have just been like drawing from Macbeth, uh, from Macbeth and from other plays that I, that I, you know, wasn't sure about that. Uh, cause you know, it wasn't three witches. It was just a spirit in the forest. Like yep. there were, there are changes obviously. Um, to it but but like once I realized it was Macbeth I felt very dumb because I literally out loud said oh this has a Shakespearean feel to it that I enjoy and I was just like oh that's the reason why it has a Shakespearean feel to it.
1: (laughs) Yes, because it's Shakespeare. Yeah. Um yeah I'm glad you had that reaction even though literally when we talked about it I said uh that it was an adaptation of a certain Scottish play.
0: You see, and that just tells you that I don't listen.
1: I'm not surprised and, by this at all. And also
0: that was almost a month ago. There's no That's way. That's true. That.
1: That's true. We life has been crazy, so we've been on a weird schedule. Um, but we're still getting these out uh for yes. for you lovely listeners. And also in the meantime, we did another podcast that will be released later. Um, once I have time to edit it. Uh and that was fun. Yeah. And so, yeah, that hopefully will become a series as well. So uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Um, but uh, I did I did actually kind of like the fact that, yeah, it, it is it's an adaptation of a Shakespeare play. And, you know, we get some of those elements. We get the you know, it's it's not, you know, it, I, I was going to say it's not wholly a Shakespeare or thing cuz i'm literally am about to call it a greek chorus um but it's like shakespeare had those you know almost narrator common uh characters that would catch the audience up you know you oh, your, your rosen you know your rosen rosencrantz and gildenstern you know or whatever um that uh i mean the guards
0: bit like the beginning of of, uh i I know a lot about hamlet because i was in hamlet but i mean hamlet literally starts with a bunch of guards talking and discussing what was happening leading up to that moment like and i know that because i had to stand just off stage for that scene uh because i was hamlet's father's ghost um but uh um who was also called hamlet so it makes it kind of weird to say yeah be like hamlet's ghost no um uh, but yeah, no, that is, that is very much, uh, something that, that Shakespeare, I don't know if, if it was, cause I haven't read like a lot of Faust and like other, other playwrights from that time. So I don't know if it was a, a thing that a lot of playwrights did in that time. Um, but, uh, I do know that, that he did, you know, it's, it's widely considered that he did take that from, from old Greek plays from the, you know, from the Greek chorus kind of idea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which which it's 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 a it's a always a good narrative you know storytelling device of of getting that uh, and yeah even here we get you know a couple of the commoners we get some of the other soldiers um, that are guarding the king you know we get their perspectives and it's uh you know pretty interesting um, to see from there. Um, and then, you know, we we also obviously get a lot with our our two main characters.
0: I mean, it gets I guess it depends on who you consider the main characters. Are you considering is it I for the lack of knowing the names in the in the movie, uh, Hamlet and, and Hamlet and uh, not Hamlet, Macbeth, Macbeth. And, and then uh, Lady Macbeth
1: well uh, yeah i was i was saying or, or do you um, think
0: uh miku i, I uh, yeah Miku's yeah it's,
1: it's yeah it's 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 miku um is is the other one um it that... starts with
0: a w and i can't think of of the the Macbeth guys uh, or wi- uh,
1: wi- washizu wi- washizu yep yes um uh played by the amazing uh Toshiro Oh, uh, Mifune, uh, I
0: loved, I loved him in this movie. You loved him in this movie. Okay. Oh yeah.
1: I was going to say, I was like, I'm hoping that you loved him because he is in like every Kurosawa movie and he's usually the star of most of them. Um, I can
0: see why he's a very good actor and, and yes, there's a lot of theatrical elements because they are going a little over the top, but it, it's very, you can tell it's very per, uh, purposeful yes. and that's, that's what it, they are going for. And I, I, I actually appreciated it.
1: Yeah. Cause he, he basically is, and it's not a strict one-to-one adaptation, um, but he's basically the Steve McQueen slash Chris Pratt character in 7 samurai. Oh, okay. Um and then he is the Clint Eastwood character in Ujimbo. Um <laughs> uh, Wait, which
0: one what Unforgiven? Is uh the... Fistful of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars. Never seen it, but yeah. um it's uh But I'm not a big western guy. Like I've seen I've seen a decent amount of them, but like yeah. you know, it's, they're not uh, my favorite movies. The, there uh, are some the, that I've really uh, enjoyed.
1: The the storyline for your Yojimbo is he's kind of a, a lone ronin who comes into town, and the town is taken over or er, and controlled by two warring rival gangs, and he gets stuck in the middle, um, which, you know, sounds like every Western post this uh, <laughs> full of dollars. Yeah. But it was Yojimbo first um but yeah i, I love mafuni uh he's he yeah he's he's brilliant in in 7 samurai he's yeah like you said he's he's over the top up at points but it's it's always purposeful and i love the fact that it gets more manic as the film goes on Which makes sense because he's going crazier and crazier as the film goes on. Yes. Um, And an interesting side note, uh, he uh, actually was considered for a role in a movie in the 1980s. Can you guess it?
0: Oh, a role. Is it something that you think that I've
1: seen? um i'm fairly certain i might have watched it with you <laughs> oh interesting okay uh 1980s uh
0: very likely an action movie i'm guessing um,
1: uh i would say uh teenage movie i teenage almost said the movie. title uh <laughs> teenage movie about a tournament
0: oh uh a uh, uh, karate kid
1: he was going to be the Pat Marita role. Um and he was interesting. deemed interesting.
0: I mean I I would say that he could probably be really good at that. I just don't know how well his English would have
1: been. Uh he was deemed too intense. Oh, okay, I can see that. Which would <laughs> which would actually make sense is like yeah, no cuz there there is like this lovability uh, with Pat Marita. Um yes. And I think you know Mafuni would—he's almost cuddly, yeah. Would also have that, but like you have this harsh edge, you know. Uh, yeah. Plus, he was—he was much older at that point uh, than Morita was. So, uh, but I—I uh, I was
0: actually uh, I found it interesting because I was looking at a lot of the actors in this movie. Uh, a lot of the actors in this movie lived to their eighties, nineties, like, uh, like they—they they lived very long lives, which yes. uh, I found like one of them uh, the 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 actor that plays uh, Miku's son uh is actually still alive and just did a movie in 2020 like
1: oh nice okay sweet yeah cuz yeah Mafuni uh lived to be lived in like his last credited role was in uh 1995 so uh, i
0: think he died in 97 but he was yeah. like 78 70, at the, se-
1: yeah 77 at that. 77 yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and the one that played Miku died in like 2010 ish, or something like that. Like he lived pretty long, and I think he was in his upper eighties. Okay. Yeah. Um Like I said, I was kind of browsing through that, and I thought, thought that was interesting because a lot of these actors did live to that to those ages, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, kind well, of interesting. Yeah, and and um, uh, Kurosawa himself uh, lived to be eighty eight and yep. actually made movies up until like 1990. Oh, and
0: uh also interesting is that when I clicked on Kurosawa, the first thing that popped up was a little video uh and it starts with Throne of Blood. So Oh, it did. Okay. Yep. Nice. I mean, it's it's a it's a montage of a bunch of the movies that he did, but it was I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that started with. I was yeah. like, "Oh, I recognize that right away."
1: <laughs> yeah, cuz like Throne of Blood, so so also why I picked this was uh As much as I love Seven Samurai, I wasn't sure um, how your endurance would be uh, with a black and white Japanese film uh, that had that was subtitled. Um, So I'm like, okay, I don't want to make you sit through a three and a half hour movie and then make you hate samurai movies going forward. You know that long. Yeah, it's three and a half hours. It's very good. It's a um, it's an amazing film. It's just very long.
0: Um, well, I'm, I'm sure it's great. I like, honestly, the hour and forty five minutes of this. I was just like, hey, that was enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and that, and that's kind of yeah, that's kind of what I was like. But this was his uh, uh, because uh, uh, Kurosawa was was interesting. Where like, yes, he's he's very much known for the samurai movies, but he also did a lot of, um, he, he basically would go back and forth between doing a samurai movie and then going back and doing uh, a more modern uh, uh, movie. And I want to say he did High and Low was the movie that he did right after this. Or, no, sure. I, I Live in Fear uh, was the movie he, he did um, between... Which, of course, also starred Mifuni um, as an elderly elderly factory owner who's, like, terrified of, like, a nuclear attack. So it's set in, in more modern day. Um, and then he would go do Throne of Blood and then do uh, Lower Depths. And then three years later would do The Hidden Fortress. Three years after that would do Yojimbo. Um, and yeah, he's just an incredibly influential director. Like I said, so many of his movies got remade (laughs) into other -er things. And, um, he, in actually the 1980s, he was starting to struggle, uh, to get his work made. Ironically enough, even though, you know, he'd made so many movies, but he was just slowing down and it was actually uh, George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola who got his, uh, one of his movies made uh, basically by saying that uh, leveraging the fact that w- they, they sold the, the U.S. distribution rights to the film to 20th Century Fox and then forced... T- uh, Toho to make the movie <laughs> because they're well. like, yeah, we're going to give you this money. Cause I made star Wars. Um, and <laughs> you're going to spend this money on this guy's movie because I made you star Wars. And it's like, okay, George, all right, I guess we can give this guy $20 million to make his movie. And it's like, all right. And he did.
0: God, I broke IMDB by looking at too many Akira uh, Kurosawa movies in a row. just completely froze on me. Oh, no. I, was, I just clicked on Tora, 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 because I was like, he was involved in Tora, Tora, Tora. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess he... No, I'm not sure.
0: It says that he directed some sequences.
1: Some sequences. Okay, yeah. Because I that was like, would... I didn't think
0: that, that would have been... I didn't think that was him, but like obviously it was partially him yeah uncredited though
1: uncredited yeah
0: as as director of some of some sequences
1: um well that's like uh in his uh, in one of his last films uh dreams uh i want to say spielberg directed some scenes Mm -hmm. and uh and martin scorsese is in it as vincent van gogh interesting yeah it's real weird it's a, it's a series of like eight shorts, um, all set, you know, in dreams, you know, so, uh, but yeah, f- like filmmaking wise, I, it's, it's such a little trick and I always love when filmmakers can do practical effects and just the, uh, The panning shot of you've got the shot of of Mafuni, and then it pans over and you see Mika's ghost and then it pans back to Mifuni freaking out and then pans back over and Mika's gone. Like I've literally done that shot in film projects before. And i think
0: I... they've done that a lot they did that a bunch of times in this movie and all of them were pretty successful to me like i really like one of the earlier ones that i really enjoyed was when they walked through when they when they cut open and then walked through the uh the the hut that the spirit was in and yeah, they yep. like kind of they the camera kind of goes with them a little bit just far enough for the the sides of the hut to go away yeah and then they around and like walk back and obviously it's one shot and you know the crew has to come in and like pull the hut away and and they walk back into it and the hut's completely gone and i was just like i you know for a movie in the 19 you know 50s yeah was this i think this was 50, uh, for a movie yeah, in the 1950s, like, yeah. that was, that's very well done i mean it's it's very it's very th- sort of theater like set changey but yeah. like it's very well done to you know move the camera in that way and get things working that way like i i very much enjoyed it
1: yeah I, yeah, I, I love, like I said, I love when you can do practical effects like that. Um, and then the ridiculousness that, uh, apparently, uh, at the tail end of the, uh, of the film, uh, they were shooting real arrows at (laughs) Mifuni. Really? Yeah, they were, they were like bamboo. Um, but... They were shooting real arrows at him. Um,
0: I mean, they were sticking them. They were sticking in the wall. And yeah, yeah. It it was. I could see that. Okay.
1: Yep. Um. Yeah. So like he he has the plate, but apparently one of them did hit the plate and busted the the wood plating, and he had um. Oh no! This was uh. oh this was ironically another thing um when um when he was um doing the sword fight and stabbed him he stabbed the block of wood that was hidden but the block of wood split (laughs) and so it like he actually had a scar uh kato um had had a scar, and the the guard that he kills before he kills the the uh the Lord of the the Forest, um, he uh yeah he, he apparently had that scar pretty much until his death in 2015, huh. which is crazy. Um, so permanently scarred for yeah <laughs> <on> this movie, <laughs> but um. Yeah, and the the apparently the original uh the original title uh translated um instead of throne of blood, it was actually translated into uh Castle of the Spiderwebs.
0: That would have been a cooler title.
1: I like Throne of Blood, especially like the fact that we have the you know, Lady Macbeth character uh you know Pantomiming, washing the blood off, and not being able to get the blood off her hands, and you know, it's it's a pretty symbolic title.
0: I, it is. Um, I was I was waiting to see if anything was translated directly to "out out damn spot." Um, <laughs> uh, just because that is a very iconic line from Macbeth. Yeah. Um, but. I mean honestly I very much enjoyed this movie <laughs> like I'm surprisingly I'm, I'm
1: glad I'm glad cuz like I was I was hoping that was going to be the case cuz I was like it's like it's not in like your wheelhouse but it kind of is you know in some ways like it it's it's just actiony enough but you've got really good character moments you've got really good acting in it um yeah, I was I was hoping you would you would enjoy it. Um yeah. and especially knowing it would be probably your first Kurosawa movie. Um except you said you think you'd seen uh Rashomon before, you said, right? Oh,
0: I I think I've seen uh so I'm pretty certain that I've not seen it all the way. I think I've seen scenes from Rashomon. Okay. Uh it's cuz I uh I know that uh we did um, I did a class where we did um, uh, where we studied a lot of different forms of theater, okay. um, and uh, one of them was uh, kabuki. Okay, I, I want to say it's kabuki that I'm thinking of. There's two different forms I always yeah think yeah there
1: yeah, and that's e because um, because I even looked up and remembered in the trivia like this one they said Kurosawa was more going after uh, a no. Uh, no. no, is the one I always confuse. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he was going more no than kabuki because kabuki's a little more mask and makeup, you know. Oh, and, yes. whereas this is more strict performance is kind of what I gathered, you know, from the descriptions is the the difference.
0: Um, and uh, and I I had uh, I had seen part of a stage version of um rashomon where they they were doing so the mask and makeup they were doing a kabuki form of it okay um uh and then uh kabuki also involved i think a little bit of it can involve like puppeteering and things like that almost okay um a lot of a lot of shadows a shadow play yeah um but uh uh with that we also watched some of the movie as well and i think that the fact that i've seen bits of the play and bits of the movie like in my mind I was just like I think I've seen that movie but I, I think I've only seen bits and pieces
1: okay which ironically misremembering Rashomon is perfect uh, that's true <laughs> considering it's a, an entire film about you know how our memories fail us and you know how each person has their own perspective on something and it's like okay so that's actually kind of kind of poignant in some ways um yeah, but I mean
0: overall i I really enjoyed uh the acting in this, like like I said it, it is kind of over the top and theatrical, but honestly, as a person that has a degree in theater, I kind of enjoy the theatrical uh nature of it uh being an older movie i I think that I thought that it worked. I was actually very impressed with uh i i'm I don't know who does the remastering of of this style of movie, but like like I was impressed with the the details that you could see from such an old movie. Like it, it there was yeah. there was no fuzziness to it. Like everything looked really crisp. Uh, the way they remastered it, I really really
1: yeah, thought that was, was cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so it was a Criterion Collection. Um, and yeah, they do a really good job of kind of cleaning some stuff up, but also leaving a little bit, it you know, of the of the imperfections of the time because you know. Not everything's going to be, you know, completely perfect. But, yeah, they do a really good job cleaning stuff up and kind of remastering it and scanning scanning it at the highest quality they can, you know, for for the time. So they, they'll usually go through m- multiple prints and make sure they get the best frames and everything from everything, so. But, I
0: mean, it was very noticeable. Like, like I could see, like, details on the armor like it was which was pretty neat to see um i could tell that some of that stuff was not meant to be so clear
1: yes um
0: because you know at the time they they were they were setting this the the the, not every prop and and item that they had was made to be seen as well as we could see it Uh, especially some of the makeup the especially that that you know you could see that it was very much theatrical style like caked on makeup for a lot of people that that isn't as as uh doesn't show as well in such a clear viewed, uh, image.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. And that's like the, and especially the heavy makeup of like the spirits either, well, it's the forest spirit or the, the spirit of, of Mickey when, and you know, he comes back. Uh, c- um, it's, it's so drastic and so kind of jarring in a way but in those cases it worked because it was like okay this is supposed to be different and supposed to be otherworldly
0: but i mean there there are some things that i would critique about this movie and some of it might be that the age of it there are the biggest thing that i would say um well one their fog budget is insane uh and i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know how they did fog back then like i don't know if they just had something on fire that they're waving or like if fog machines were a thing um or if it's you know a whole bunch of dry ice that they've got like a fan in for like i have no idea how 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 you know th- that kind of special effects worked in this time but there was a lot of fog <laughs> throughout the yeah, movie yeah which...
1: yeah there there was a lot of fog uh kurosawa just i think nature hates him in some ways because so much of, of his movies there is so much like this dense fog or obviously you know Rashomon is set in a rainstorm and yeah the elements were in some ways not kind but in others like oh wow this is perfect for what we want to shoot right here so yes we've got to we've got to shoot it right now you know kind of things yeah
0: um, the other thing that I thought, and they he does this a few times through the movie, there are scenes of travel that take way too long and go on for way too long, like, they... Uh, The one that sticks out the most also involves fog, and that's after they meet the spirit and they're still getting to uh, Forest Castle. Yes. And it's them riding in the fog and then stopping and then turning around and riding the other way. And then they ride this way, and then they stop and they turn around and they ride that way. And I understand that they're trying to show that they're lost, they're having trouble finding it, um, and they're moving about, but... I think that scene went on for five minutes. Like, yeah. and I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think they did that for five minutes.
1: Yeah, no. Like, yeah. That's, that's where like you get the, um, I, I always remember, um, this ironically, this goes back to a far previous podcast, um, of ours. And it was, uh, John Ramita senior, Talking about oh. <laughs> how he first laid out uh, his his pages for Daredevil and then how he basically got, I, I, I'm almost certain it was Jack Kirby, because um, it just would have been at that point in time, uh, that he laid out and had Matt Murdoch you know, take off his suit, slowly put on the cowl, you know, all of that stuff, fold the suit nicely, put it down, all wonderfully rendered and drawn. And then Jack Kirby came in and is like, nope, uh, throw off the thing, throw, jump out, have him jump out the window, have him grab a flagpole and go. <laughs> um, And I was, I was going to say like, in, you didn't really get that sense of pacing yet. Until you get to the, like, mid to late 60s and you start getting, you know, your Dennis Hoppers with, you know, Easy Rider and Spielberg and, you know, you you get that sense of quick pacing. Yes, some directors at this point in time were like, nope, we've got to show them traveling the whole way. And it's like, oh, come on. Do we do we need to do we really need to? show them go 10 different ways to show that they're lost in the forest couldn't we have done that with like two
0: i will say uh one uh, referencing that old podcast uh does uh really tie into the fact we're talking about fog um and two that was also probably my favorite thing name of a podcast we ever had oh my god
1: it was the best name of the podcast ever it's just it was such a hard thing to do
0: uh, yeah, it's always foggy in Hell Kitchen. Was just perfect for a daredevil podcast. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, no. Uh, I'm gonna I'm going to uh say that this was a great recommendation. I'm very happy that I watched this movie, and I might actually check out some more uh Akira Kurosawa movies.
1: Perfect. Um, yeah, because I yeah, like every single one that I've I and I haven't seen all of them. Like I haven't seen um. As as I've been checking eighties uh, all over, uh, the the one they actually just referenced was um, his his nineteen eighty movie uh, Kegamusha, uh, which is a story of. It's almost in some ways it's a prince prince and the pauper kind of situation where, uh the they get this guy who was about to be executed for a crime, but he looked a lot like the emperor. So they got him to be the emperor's double. Um, But then the emperor dies (laughs) and he takes over um, so that people think everything is all well and good Um, and actually is doing a better job than the emperor. (laughs) there was um but that's that's the one that he couldn't get funding for um and uh, cuz he hadn't done a movie in 5 years um and that's yeah the one that uh George Lucas and Coppola kind of strong-armed the studio into getting the movie made hmm. and then yeah hmm. J- yeah dream yeah and then dreams um has some assistance from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and um, in, in some points. So yeah, he, he's an incredibly influential director. Um, all, all the stuff that I've seen of his, like I've seen Rashomon, uh, Yojimbo, Seven Samurai and Throne of Blood. Um, and yeah, I, I have to catch up on, on Kagemusha and Ran and Dreams. Um, and I want to say they are all available on um, on HBO Max. Oh, and and uh here ik kiru because it's I C I R U, um, which I've also heard is also fantastic. Very nice. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm... Gl- I'm glad my recommendation worked um and and you enjoyed it so
0: yeah i uh i i very much i i was actually surprised uh i was about halfway through the movie and i was very surprised how much i was enjoying it i'm just like oh i was like i'm not normally big into older older movies but like i'm i'm really liking the the, you know the the cinematic takes on this like like what's going on like i can see the influence in the movie itself that that this filmmaker had by seeing how old it was and how, I mean, g- how great of a job he did with yeah. it. like.
1: And uh, in in uh, 2015, when he was promoting Macbeth, uh, Michael Fassbender said that this was his favorite adaptation of Macbeth.
0: I was actually going to say, other than some stage versions I've seen, I actually saw a really good uh, Macbeth with a, uh, an old friend of both of ours, uh, MJ. MJ. Um, oh, yeah. In it, uh, I believe they played Macduff in that version. Okay. Um, yes, they did. Um, and I really, re- that I think that's my favorite staged version of Macbeth was that one. Uh, and I've seen a few of them, uh, but my, uh, uh, which. Which, which is my time right now to say if you don't go see local theater not just the big theaters but like some of the smaller theaters as well this was in a place called theater in the round which is a larger theater in the Twin Cities but not you know it's not the Guthrie yeah um, yeah it's yeah, it's, so not, like,
1: it's not huge but it is it's a fairly well good size yeah theater
0: yeah so there there are some there's a lot of really good theater out there and you don't have to just go to the biggest theater you know the the major theaters in your area or like the traveling Broadway shows to see amazing theater there's amazing theater out there you just have to you can find it anywhere. And you know, there's yeah. obviously there's there's levels, but but go look. That's my that's my PSA for right now as somebody that's done theater in the past yeah. that doesn't see enough theater lately, but that's because you know it's all starting back up. Um But I will say this is my favorite film version of Macbeth that I've seen, although with that said, the caveat is I have not seen the more recent Denzel Washington one that I've heard is actually really really good. Yeah,
1: I I, I have yet to see that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that because I believe that's on Apple TV Plus. Oh, nice. Yeah. Or at least it uh, was uh, as of like a month or two ago. Mm. Um, I don't know if that was a limited run or not. But but usually with the streaming services they tell you that so.
0: I will say my problem with Apple TV plus is that they make a lot of things seem like it's on there. That's not actually on there. Yes. Um, Cause it's, they're trying to be more like prime video than anything, than, yep. than like the other streaming services, but it doesn't come off that way until you're on there.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, oh, I'll tell you that after.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, uh, the next recommendation is mine. Yes, it
1: is yours. Uh,
0: and uh, there are, are so the movie that I want. I'm just going to tell you the movie that I wanted to recommend. Okay. And I, while we were talking here, I literally sat and searched every single app that that I had to see if it was on there because I thought it was on Netflix, okay. and then I thought maybe it would be on HBO Max, and I cannot find it. And that was Spotlight. Um,
1: oh, it's not on Netflix anymore because I. It's
0: not on Netflix anymore. It's such a bummer. On... Okay. Um, so. I decided with everything that's going on right now uh, uh, with the Supreme Court um, striking down Vero v. Wade. Uh, I'm just going to take a moment to, I, I think we're trying to keep this fairly PG on this one, but say F the Supreme Court on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, not to get political, but F the politics and it, it, a woman's body is her own. And, uh, yeah, woman, this is, yeah, they, yeah, this is. Them, yeah. Her, their body is their own and they should be able to do what they yeah, want with this, it. Yeah, this is
1: like in so many ways it's beyond a political issue like it is you know uh yeah just a human rights issue in a lot of ways yep
0: but with that mindset there i kind of i i was like "Ah, i really want to choose a movie with a you know a badass female protagonist yeah uh so i'm gonna go with a movie that i i've seen that i'm pretty certain you haven't seen uh called promising young woman
1: Ooh, I have not seen that yet, but I have been wanting to watch it. So yeah, yep. Uh, this
0: one, uh, I was, uh, it's on HBO Max. Yep. Uh, you can find it on there. It's it stars Carrie Mulligan, uh, Allison Brie. Uh, it's uh, it's one of the the producers for it is is Margot Robbie. Um, uh, d- uh, directed by a female director, written by uh, written by the same person. Like, uh, it's very it's very uh woman-centric which i think is uh the right mindset for me right now with with everything that's going on uh and uh i really this movie has me go through roller coasters of emotions as as i'm watching it and uh i'm gonna say when you go to watch it on hbo max i don't like their description of it so try not to read the description before hitting play
1: um i I i tend not to so yeah
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. Don't read the prescription before for reading, uh, hitting play. That that is not the description they had on it before. Um, I just don't think it's. I I think it it gives up a little more than it should of the plot.
1: Yeah, because I, I I absolutely love and think Carrie Mulligan is a fantastic actress and and needs to have been in. Didn't in realize th- that. Um, I I'm just on her. Um imdb and did not realize she was uh married to marcus mumford from mumford and sons yeah singer singer songwriter marcus mumford since 2012 hmm. and they have two children
0: Fun um, story i did not know that the lead singer of mumford and sons was actually named mumford uh, so i was just making a joke but turns out that's true okay
1: yeah hmm. yeah because he's also the one who writes all the music for ted lasso
0: um, so the rest of the band is just their kids
1: <laughs> probably
0: <laughs> it's mumford and sons <laughs> yeah. yo
1: i mean he does have well he has two children i don't know if they're sons but uh but yeah no i i, I i've loved carrie mulligan since i saw her actually uh in uh the doctor who episode blank
0: i did not even put together that that who is who that is that's who okay. that is
1: and, and I mean, it was like that's why she's never come back, because she got too successful.
0: <laughs> yes. She's not one of those Doctor Who characters that can play multiple characters because of...
1: Yeah, because, yeah, like, that character's too... Like, if she were to come back to Doctor Who, she would have to be Sally Sparrow. But she can't, like... Then she got too successful, and yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, uh Yeah, so... Go check that out if uh, you want to watch along with us. I recommend it. I fully recommend watching that movie. I remember, I, I, like, I, like I said, I, I, it was a couple years ago, I think, that I watched it two years ago, I want to say.
1: yeah.
0: Um, Oh, it had to be last year because I think it came out in 2021. But um, over a year ago since I've watched it, uh, I remember feeling a lot of emotions while watching it. I don't exactly remember what those emotions are, so I'm really excited for this rewatch.
1: Cool. Sweet. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Any plugs? Uh, So uh, I guess we can announce. So uh, uh, I've been uh, in the office at my day job a lot more, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. And through Junk Food Cinema, I discovered a podcast called "80s All Over," which was going through uh, all of the films of 1980s uh, month by month. And I was thinking, it's like, oh man, this is really cool. Like, I wish somebody would do this for like the 2000s because that's the era like I was around the same age as like these guys and I was like wait a second I do podcasts about movies why don't Shane and I do this so yeah we are going through uh in the pilot episode we go through November and December of 1999 um and just talk about our favorite movies from that came out in those months.
0: Yeah, so check that out. It's, it was a lot of fun to do, and I'm excited to do some more of those.
1: Yep, um, and that'll be on that same podcast feed. So uh, we'll be alternating back and forth, and hopefully uh, soon some life stuff gets a little more less chaotic, and uh, we can be back on a more regular schedule. So Very much so. Uh, but until then, thanks for listening, and make sure to like and subscribe and all that stuff. So thanks.
0: Be good to each other.